0: Do archaeological artifacts confirm important biblical figures? Archaeologists have actually found artifacts that prove the existence of some specific biblical people. And that's what we're going to be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, an apologetics podcast to help equip Christians to engage the culture through biblical, critical thinking. Your hosts for this podcast are Robbie Lashua and Tyler Hurley. Robbie is pastor of apologetics at Desert Springs Community Church, as well as professor of apologetics, worldview, and ethics at Mission Bible Institute. He is a graduate of Phoenix Seminary, as well as a graduate of the Master's in Christian Apologetics program at Biola University. Tyler is currently earning his undergraduate degree in theology at Grand Canyon University and currently serves as an apologetics intern at Desert Springs
1: Community Church. Hello, you are listening to Christ Culture and Coffee, and we're back once again with our archaeology series. Yeah, this has
0: been a fun series we've been doing through the whole month of
1: January. Uh, I like it because I'm having to research a lot and
0: learn new things, which is pretty fun.
1: Yeah, this is great. Uh, it's cool because you see so many things that archaeologists are finding today that mm-hmm. we didn't have years ago, and like new discoveries. Related to Christianity are coming up all the time, and it's just insane. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, even like yeah. one of these uh, things we're going to talk about today, Tyler, is uh, something that came out uh, just a year ago. Yeah. it was last yeah. February 2018. That's is insane when this to me. story broke. But that's the thing, man. There's people digging stuff up all the time. Yeah. Um, it's 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 an then, awesome thing. I was actually yeah. talking with um, archaeologist Randall Price. Right. Uh, uh, we're trying to get him to come on the show, and he said he'd love to, but he's in Israel right now right. at a dig. <laughs> yeah. and so yeah, he's uncovering, even, I mean, more stuff, right? There's all the time new archaeological discoveries happening. Uh, and again, they always confirm what Scripture says, which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, so uh, that's exciting. We're really looking forward to sharing uh some of the information that we found out with you guys on the show today but before we get into that uh as always we have another coffee tip that was sent in to us and we are and, and yeah. our coffee mugs that were given away they are dwindling they are getting yes. we're getting
0: down to the last uh, few so if you do have a coffee tip and you want to win one of these coffee mugs if you hope to have one for your own personal mug collection uh email us your coffee tips because we are kind of getting down yes. to the last few mugs and
1: every now and then uh like Uh, Last week, we ended up doing a promo thing for our Instagram account where we ended up uh, giving a mug out to someone who put the best comment on their worst Mm -hmm. coffee catastrophe. So uh, go ahead and follow our Instagram account, and uh, we may even put up another contest like that in the future. And so uh, not only for that, but just to stay up to date with uh, what's happening in our uh, podcast and future episodes to come. You'll learn all about it from right there. So. Yep,
0: and you can find us on Instagram. Our our handle, our name is Christ Culture Coffee. On there, yes. No and. No it's just and. Christ Culture Coffee. Mm-hmm. One word. Yep, and you can find us on there. We'd love for you to follow us. Keep up to date on all the stuff that we're doing. So. All right. Well, today we want to start off with this coffee tip. Uh, our winner this week of the new uh, of their new uh, Christ Culture and coffee mug is Jim. So, Jim, if you emailed us this coffee there tip, we, we will be mailing you out a coffee mug shortly. Uh, Jim's tip, and this is like a real practical tip. Uh, it's not like a uh, um, something really fancy uh, everybody can use this because most people still use a coffee pot brewery right a, a, a coffee pot brewing system just kind of like a Mr coffee yeah. or you know something mm-hmm. like that and he 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 sent in a tip that was really interesting he said listen after you brew a pot of coffee before you pour it to drink right as it's sitting there on that like hot plate thing before you pour it to drink take it out and stir it up. The reasoning for this is as coffee is brewing through kind of the traditional coffee pot brewery, brewery system, um, you know how it works. It, it sucks the water up, heats it up, dumps it on top mm-hmm. of the grounds that are in the, the paper filter, and then the water seeps through and comes out into the coffee pot. So what happens is the first, um, the first part of, of the coffee that's brewed is the strongest because it's hitting those coffee grounds
1: first. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I remember I've even tried that before, like noticed it. It's true. Like sometimes I'll I'll put a mug under there to get a cup first, and it's and like the strongest the portion of the portions pot, of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then I put the pot back under. Yeah. Um, but so because it brews the strongest part first, that's at the bottom of the pot, and then it brews you know, somewhat weaker coffee the longer it goes. So if you want it to be a consistent uh, pot of coffee, stir it together, stir up the strong portion that's at the bottom with the weak portions that, that's at the top, and you'll get a consistent uh, flavor in your pot of coffee. I think that's a pretty cool tip. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep, really that's practical, and it'll It'll make the the first part of the pot stronger, and then the last part won't be super strong if you you don't like that. Yeah, if it's too
1: much for you, it'll be nice to stir it and balance it out a little. So thanks for that tip, Jim. Yeah,
0: Jim, thank you so much.
1: And we'll be reaching out to you to get uh, your address so we can send you out a Christ Culture & Coffee coffee mug. Yes, so... Um, here we go. So Robbie, if you want to introduce us to this topic for this week on archaeology.
0: Yeah, so what we thought, you know, the past three episodes we've done have been on does uh, archaeology confirm the Bible, right? And, and yeah. we mostly focus on an event in the Bible with Sodom and Gomorrah. Then we talked about does the empty tomb or does, the, does archaeology confirm the empty tomb, right? And we yeah. talked about the Nazareth inscription. Last week we talked about does archaeology confirm the exodus, right, of mm-hmm. Moses from the book of Exodus. Uh, and this week what we want to do is we want to say does archaeology confirm biblical people,
1: yeah, right. that's Can, cool.
0: Are, are these legit people? Or are these like folk tales? Are they myths that that develop? You know, like kind of like a like
1: a King Arthur and a, uh Robin
0: Hood type thing. Yeah, I thing, mean, the thing that are happens are is
1: a, a lot of people. Uh, I have tended to make that argument before because uh, they may think, oh, yeah, sure, these characters, uh, they existed in a real timeline of uh, these actual historic events that happened around them. Sure, they probably took place. But the Mm -hmm. people, they might have been fictional. Yeah, they might have been fictional. They might just be figures of, uh, you know, of an ideal
0: or something. So if we, if we can right. see how, how they're real, actual people, and, and that archaeology backs that up, once again, the Bible seems to be telling the truth, uh, even in regards to the people who existed with their titles yes. of, and their jobs and who they were and what they did. So what we want to do today is we're going to look at one example of archaeology proving a person from the Bible in the Old Testament, and then we're going to look at an example from the New Testament. Seems like the right way to do it. Yeah, you start with the old, you end with the new. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right,
0: so the first person we want to look at is uh, Isaiah, right? The prophet Isaiah wrote the book of Isaiah. Um, Isaiah was a prophet during the reigns of the Judean kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, right? So he was he was kind of like the um, he was he was like the prophet. Of of the court of the of the of the king at that time, uh, he probably lived in Jerusalem, and um, uh, he he interacted with all these kings multiple times. But we want to zoom in on uh, kind of his interactions with King Hezekiah. And now Hezekiah, he was the son of Ahaz, right, the king of Judah, and Hezekiah reigned from uh, 715 to 786 BC. That's a long time ago.
1: Mm, yeah, <laughs> that's
0: a really long time ago, right? Like twenty seven hundred years ago, uh, and uh, he was a good king, a really good king. Uh, in the book of Second Kings, it talks about um, there was no uh, no. None like him among the kings in Judea after him, um, and because he he was a king who he went about the land and he stopped all the cult worship. He closed down um, all of these um, pagan sacrificial sites and and um, uh, other other cultish stuff that was going on, and he centralized the sacrifice. Uh, of of the Jewish people at the altar in Jerusalem, which is what they were supposed to do all along. Yeah, well, I'd I'd say that's a good thing. So. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> so, yeah. thing. But a lot of the kings uh, had let bad stuff infiltrate and happen. Yeah, right. But Hezekiah came along and he really wanted to follow what God had instructed the Israelites to do.
1: Yeah, so he's doing a little cleanup, getting yep. everything in order. So that, that's good. That's great.
0: Yep, he's a good king. And so Isaiah and Hezekiah, there's a lot of interaction with the two of them in Second Kings um, because obviously they lived at the right time. And so we have this passage, and and Tyler, uh, you. have have this, you're going to go ahead and read uh, 2 Kings 20 verses 1 through 6. And this is a really um, interesting interaction between Hezekiah and Isaiah.
1: Yeah, so it says, "...in those days Hezekiah became mortally ill, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live." How would you like to get that <laughs> message from God? Whoa! Get it together or you will die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get right. make sure your will's not written live, out, buddy, because right? you're not going <laughs> to live anymore. Wow, sorry yeah. I interrupted. No, that's funny. All that's right. good. You can continue. Yeah, yeah, and so in verse 2 it goes on saying, Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you on the third day. You shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. That's awesome, right? Yeah, that's yeah, cool. You're
0: gonna die. The king's coming, you, you know. And uh, then he he prays and says, "Lord, remember me. I've I've walked with you. I've done what is good in your sight." Uh, and and right, I mean, mm. God, this is like an immediate answer to prayer. Before Isaiah's even left, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, "Go tell Hezekiah, I'm going to give him 15 more years."
1: Yeah, you, isn't that crazy? Imagine hearing that news too no. after like hearing that. It's like what like like he. I mean, it even mentions how. Uh, uh, when he he heard about this, uh, and like when he was talking with God, it, it says in verse three, Hezekiah wept bitterly. So there's got to yep. be there's emotions are high. He's going through a lot, and then hearing this—that's just—that's great. That's great. That's yeah, immediate awesome.
0: answered prayer. Really cool passage. And so the the reason we wanted to point this passage out, and there's there's many other interactions with Isaiah and Hezekiah, but we wanted to show you that these, according to the Bible, Hezekiah and Isaiah were contemporaries. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. So so what does that have to do with archaeology? Well, last February. 2018, um, an, uh, uh, an article came out, a statement came out uh, from some archaeologists in Israel, and basically what they said was they found a 2,700-year-old clay artifact. Uh, it was found at an excavation which was at um, this place called the Ophel Excavations, um, and that's at the foot of the southern wall of Jerusalem's Temple Mount. Yeah. Okay. So in Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, they found this clay artifact. Now, what is this clay artifact? Well, it's what's called a bula, right? And a bula was uh, uh, created as kind of an early form of a signature. What they would do is they would get a wet piece of clay, a soft piece of clay, and they'd put it um, on you know, a document or they'd put it on a, a package of some sort uh, to, to seal it. And then they would take their seal, whether it was a ring or whether it was like a stamp type thing, and they would press the seal into the clay – and it would seal the, the document with, with the, the, you know, the wet clay, the soft yeah, clay getting yeah, pressed right. onto it. But it also would leave an impression of whose seal it was. So it's like showing it's coming from the king or showing it's coming from some, some royal person that, oh, that's the king's seal.
1: Yeah, okay. it's something that distinguishes. This came directly from that person. that yeah. was the point.
0: Yeah, and and it's you know kind of not to be tampered with. It's Signed, sealed, yeah, delivered. Right. That kind of an idea. Um, and so uh, what we found is we found some of these bullas, some of these you know signet ring imprints in clay tablets because the clay would dry and they've survived through the centuries. Um, and and this specific one that was found and 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 um, uh, the the story came out about it last year is interesting because some people believe that it is the first extra-biblical evidence to the prophet Isaiah existing. Wow, yeah. That's crazy because, again, remember when he lived? The 700s and 600s B.C., 2700 years ago that's exactly when this stamp dates to it's found amongst other stuff from the Iron Age that was saying um, so this is this is this would match the time period that Isaiah was supposedly in yeah. Jerusalem counseling and and, and giving prophecy and, and the words of the Lord to the kings of Judah
1: wow, that, that's just crazy to think about like at that <laughs> yeah. it's something that he could have physically have touched himself.
0: Yes, yeah, it would be something he stamped. Yeah, uh, and so now this is this is important. We want to we want to be honest and get into exactly what it is. So, what does this bula? What does this piece of clay have? Yeah, how is it significant? Imprinted on it. Well, um, on it, um, it, it's broken a little bit. the The upper left half of it is is cracked off, kind of kind of like, I wouldn't say it's directly through the middle, but it's 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 missing a large portion on the upper left hand side. But yeah. from, from looking at it, you can see that there's the remains of a grazing doe, which is, um, a, it was a symbol of blessing at the time, mm-hmm. archaeologists say. Okay, So you've got this animal uh, imprint. Um, and then in the next line down, so that's in the top. Then in the next line down is the Hebrew name of Isaiah
1: mm-hmm. written. Okay?
0: Now, here's the thing. Uh, Isaiah, it's not like he was the only person named that. All right. There was there was probably yeah, other ideas right. so at the time. So the
1: question is, how does this uh, set it apart to where it's the prophet Isaiah? Right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So so you've got that grazing dough at the top line. You've mm-hmm. got the line under it that has the Hebrew word Isaiah, and it's in the type of Hebrew from the time. You know, the 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 type of script it matches perfectly for being 2,700 years old. And then in the bottom uh, register, the bottom line of it are the Hebrew letters uh, and when we transliterate them they're the, the letters N V Y okay N V Y now that's where a portion is broken off but if the Hebrew letter aleph which is it's it's like it's the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet aleph it kind of looks like an x got it yeah if that was on the end of the word N V Y it would make the word Navi which is Hebrew for prophet Wow, so it's just that one. It's missing one letter, letter. but it's kind of it's cracked off, right? So we don't know if that was there. Mm. But if that olive is there, it would say Isaiah, the
1: prophet. Yeah, okay. So
0: so that's where people are going, okay, this is really interesting, right? Now someone'll argue, well, listen, N V Y that can be a name, so you know, it could be saying Isaiah the son of whoever N V Y is. Yeah,
1: um but a lot of people think, no, this it, if there's it's just one and letter well,
0: missing, could be saying Isaiah prophet.
1: Yeah, and well, you got to also take into account what's who else around that time frame would go by the title of Isaiah prophet? Like, like, yeah. like that's... Well well and and
0: what they're saying is if, if the if the olive's there, it will say profit. But without right. that, it can be a name of somebody. It it doesn't it doesn't mean profit.
1: It's a yeah, name of, course. of somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it if it did have that olive though, that's
0: just like the that's If it does what... have it, then it has to be that's the Isaiah would be, yeah. of the Bible. Yeah, it couldn't be another. Um, now what's really interesting about this Bula that we found is that um, what they call <laughs> its archaeological context. Yeah. All right. So it was found uh, in this room, like I like I talked about, um, that was uh, at the foot of the southern wall of Jerusalem's Temple Mount. Um, But they found, I think it said, uh, thirty of these bullas, different signet inscriptions, different different little pieces of clay with the signature in them. Mm. And one of them that they found is the bulla of King Hezekiah of Judah, the King Hezekiah that we read about in Second Kings. Yeah, that's not disputed. For sure everyone yes, this is King Hezekiah's. Well, the Bula with Isaiah, the prophet possibly on it, was found a mere ten feet from the Bula of King Hezekiah of Judah.
1: That's that's pretty crazy. So
0: yeah. time-wise, yeah, chronolo- you know, considering the chronology of when these artifacts were around. The, the Hezekiah Bula was there with the Isaiah Bula, and we know that those two men okay. were contemporaries according to the yeah, Bible. Yes, so
1: what we're saying here is even though we're still missing that, you said it was called Aleph at the end of it. Yeah. Th- this makes it more plausible and likely that it w- it did have that Aleph originally mm-hmm. when you see that we found it near, uh, near Hezekiah's a Hezekiah seal, seal because yeah. they were they were working together. They were, yeah, uh, they're contemporaries. The same, yeah, they were in the same time frame, and it matches up with history.
0: Yep. So what we've got of the Old Testament is, for sure, Hezekiah is confirmed as a king of Israel. Yeah, of course. But also, I mean, most likely, it looks like Isaiah is confirmed as a prophet of Israel at the same time, the Bible telling the truth that Hezekiah and Isaiah were contemporaries, um, that... Probably these these things that Hezekiah and Isaiah say yeah. in Scripture are accurate. It just it gives validity to what Scripture says of the people of the time. They couldn't be legends;
1: they yeah, were actual right, right.
0: actual people who existed at the time. So I think that that is that's fascinating. a physical
1: piece of evidence that he existed. Very and much. again, yeah. this 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 story came out uh, less than a year ago. Yeah, and like that, this is one of the few pieces that we've looked at too. That I I just think it's crazy because seeing something is a uh, uh, that seems like to to me this seems like pretty good evidence mm-hmm. uh, pretty convincing and I mean we were looking at some of the articles they've they've actually they've technically had these seals. In uh, their reserve sense, what what was it, the I 80s? think they
0: said that they discovered them in 2009.
1: Oh, sorry. But they hadn't longer sifted through that.
0: them. Because they had to wash them. Because the thing with these clay, right, they're the same right. color as the dirt. And so they have to, like, sift yeah, through yeah, okay, and wash okay. stuff. And it's a process. And yeah, then they and have so, to decipher each of them. So.
1: Right, right. And so that's crazy to think, like, like I mean... What is that? Like, like ten years now? Yeah, that have passed by. Took since them like, like about nine years give or to take, discover yeah. exactly what it said. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Like, that's crazy. And to think, like, it just makes you wonder how many pieces are there that we've already dug up that they're still excavating right now, trying to figure out yeah. what there is. And then some big discovery like this could pop up again. It's just crazy seeing what? all of these different and it will artifacts. pop up. I mean, yeah, there's it will.
0: actually um, the, if if you just Google in. Um, biggest biblical, uh, biblical archaeological discoveries of 2018. It'll pop up, and yeah, then you could do of right. 2017. So it happens so often that you can just say, "What are the top ten for this year?" Yeah, top
1: ten. That's the that's <laughs> I mean, funny amazing. thing you can think of too is that <laughs> the, uh, what it just makes me wonder what. What pieces of evidence did they find that didn't make the cut for the top ten? That were yeah. like, you know, like like maybe they're just. Uh, I mean, all the time they're even finding more, more and more uh, objects of things that reaffirm some artifacts that they already found, and mm-hmm. like it just goes on or so, multiples, right? Or especially when you yeah. talk about
0: coins, right? Yeah, you they got copies all and, these coins yeah. from the time, and yeah, just tons and tons of stuff. Yeah, it's great.
1: This is so, so cool. It to is see great. This.
0: So now imagine this. So think about what we've been saying. It's a twenty seven hundred year old piece of archaeological evidence that once again confirms <laughs> the Bible. Yeah. God embedded these things in the ground, knowing we dig them up. Twenty seven hundred years that later. That is
1: so long.
0: To confirm that His Word says what's real. That's, I think that's fascinating. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> it is. Well, so that's our Old Testament one, all right? So what what about New Testament? Well, this is interesting. Um, we want to talk about what's called the Pilot Stone. The Pilot Stone. And and again, if you if you Google search Pilot Stone, you can get a picture of this. Um, I think we're actually—we uh, have uh, some pictures up on our Instagram of these two artifacts. Yes, we
1: will have them all up on the Instagram over—we've uh, had them up for the, over the week. So you can go ahead and take a look at them after this podcast or— yep. As long as you're not driving, go and take a look. And- <laughs> yeah, please
0: don't listen. Like, look at your phone while you're driving. Yeah,
1: but, yeah. <laughs> but you could check him out for yourself. So
0: yeah. So, um, so this this stone reaffirms that Pilate was actually who Scripture says he is. So we want to start with looking at. Okay, what does Scripture say about Pontius Pilate? So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read Luke three one through two. This is what Luke says. Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was tetrarch over Galilee and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis and Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. So this is John the Baptist. Yeah, uh, right. But do you hear the precision in that? Tiberius, 15th year Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor, when Herod was <laughs> tetrarch, when his brother Philip was tetrarch of this reason, when Lysanias was tetrarch of Abilene, in the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. I mean, that's, so spe- that's a very specific yeah, time period, right. right? With that, what we find is that the Bible says Tiberius Caesar was reigning, At the same time, there was this guy named Pontius Pilate who was the governor of Judea, right? Yeah, right. So so that's what we're seeing. So, okay, so Tiberius reigned from 14 AD to 37 AD, Mm -hmm. all right? 14 AD to 37 AD. So that's during Jesus' ministry. That's during Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, right? Right. It's during everything. It's during all of that, yep. And... um. Uh, Pilate was appointed by Tiberius, and he was the fifth governor or what's called the fifth prefect of Judea. Uh, and he served as that role from 26 AD to 36 AD. Mm. So again, this matches up perfectly with what Scripture says of, you know, he was there when Jesus was handed over to be crucified. Yeah, right. Um <laughs> Um, so, okay, what does Scripture say about Pilate? Well, we, we know a few things, right? Luke mentions him. We know that the Jews take Jesus to him and want him crucified. Yeah, so there's different ideas. Of- yeah, he's in the Gospels, mm-hmm. mentioned multiple times. Um, but I think a really interesting uh, dialogue between Jesus and Pilate takes place in John 18, 33 through 38. So, Tyler, you've got that
1: passage, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Just starting in with this, it says, uh, Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said, to them, I find no guilt in him, yeah. And the passage goes on to talk about how you know he, he was going to let
0: Barabbas out of prison because they had a tradition yeah, of that, yeah. but they said, No. Uh, or or or, or uh, he wasn't going to let Barabbas out, but the Jews didn't want Jesus out; they want Barabbas right, 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 out. Right. Yeah, he so, was going to
1: do it the other way around. Yeah, yep,
0: and so they say, "Crucify him, crucify him!" Right. So eventually, he relents and he, and he crucifies him. But that's where he, you know, he washes his hands and he says, "This isn't on me. This is on you. I don't want this to happen. Yeah, it, I find no guilt in this man." Right.
1: Yeah, but it's still crazy to think that he did that because you got to think, uh, even that doesn't matter. The hand washing; he was still mm-hmm. obviously the one who. Sentence gave, him. Sentenced him. Yeah. He could have chose and realized, you know what, this man's innocent. But his purpose and what he he was trying to do in this was keep the peace. And if he he's seen the people get revved up, riled up about this, and he's getting stressed, and is like, this is not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know what, I want to I want to put this conflict to rest. Let just let just crucify this man, and I'm gonna cleanse my hands to show the people, you know what, you wanted this, not me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to make peace. Yep, that's well, what.
0: And Pilate had a had a history of not having peace with the Jews. Right. And so yeah. We we learned from Josephus actually mm-hmm. a couple of stories about Pilate. He he lists three things about Pontius Pilate in his in his uh, in his books. Um, yeah. The Antiquity of the Jews, and one of the things he said in there is that. Uh, when when uh, Pilate came into being governor there, he kind of he kind of came in with an iron fist and wanted to make a big splash, right? Yeah. So Pilate comes into Caesarea Maritime as it's called. Mm-hmm. It's it's a port city on the coast of Israel, um, and it's actually uh, a place where um, Herod the Great actually built this palace and dedicated it to Caesar, and that's why they call the the, the region Caesarea, right? It's named yeah. Before. Right. Caesar. Right. Um, so that's where um, Pilate comes, and um, at night <coughs> one time. And he had all these images of Caesar placed in public in Jerusalem. Uh, and as the Jews, yeah. you know the first commandment, right? Have no other gods before me. The second commandment, no images. Mm-hmm. So right. It's, it's and so,
1: causing issues, yeah.
0: Big problem, setting up images of Caesar in Jerusalem. <laughs> so a lot of the Jews yeah. make a trip to Caesarea to to dispute this, you know, Pilate, what are you doing? And they come up and and they're really upset. Um, and they're saying, you know, you need to take these down. This is against our law. This is against our religion. And, um, what, uh, what Pilate does is he has some of his guards dressed in regular clothes Mm -hmm. and then infiltrate the crowd, you know, just get in there kind of incognito. Yeah. And then on his command, they kind of, you know, revealed who they were and started beating people. And when the Jews realized this, they laid down and then they, they pulled their clothes away from their necks. And basically said, you can kill us because it would be better for us to die than to break the commands of God. Yeah. And at that point, Pilate said, Oh man, if the, you know, if these He's people like, well, aren't, I can't just kill the whole <laughs> I can't kill all these people. Yep. And if they're and if they're not afraid of death then I have no, I have no power over them, right? Because yeah. he wields a sword, and so he uh, he relented and he removed the images of Caesar. and And the Jews made an interesting case. They said, "Listen, no, no prefect before you has done this to us. They allowed us yeah, that's not to have these set up. Why are you doing this?" Yeah, Rome
1: this? was actually pretty uh, open when it came to the private practices, mostly yes. with stuff like this. Like they didn't interfere uh, typically. Unless it caused a big issue in the town, so like that—that's the thing. They were just like, you have your gods and you mm-hmm. keep keep it to yourself. But then all of a sudden, Pilate comes along, and he's like, no, you have to worship Caesar. And then they didn't like that. That caused a lot of issues. So yep. that, that's that's why that makes sense. I, I mean, like, heck, if I was living in that time and you <laughs> see that someone coming in, some new yeah. uh, authority figure, when beforehand. Everyone else who would come by never did anything like this. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I would be outraged too, right? Yep.
0: And you can kind <laughs> of so. see, you can kind of see how that ha- that happened right when he came in. So now it's at the point with Jesus, and he's saying, "Listen, I don't want you guys getting mad at me because I'm oh, killing an yeah. innocent man." I he's he's he really is trying to play. It sounds politics. like he's
1: playing out of fear a little bit too. Yeah. It's just yeah, he's just he like I want don't want this to come back on him, right? Yeah. Well, I don't I, want it to get involved. An yeah. interesting thing too that I
0: think was probably playing in the back of his mind with all this is you remember in uh, Matthew. Twenty seven nineteen. um as he's as he's you know judging this stuff with jesus and deciding what to do uh it says that his wife sent him this message do you remember this passage his wife sends him a message and she said to him don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him.
1: Wow. So his wife
0: sends like this omen of like, do not yep. mess around. I forgot about with that, Jesus. but you know so what? So I that's think right. that's also kind of in his decision making. Um, ah, man, I don't know. A very interesting character in, in the Bible, right? Yeah. Wow. No kidding. Well, so the question comes down to okay, so the Bible mentions Caesar, right? Josephus, or not Caesar, Pilate. Um, yeah. Josephus mentions Pilate, but archaeologically, you know what do we know about this guy?
1: Yeah, right. And well, so it comes get... down
0: to you. You have it right there, right? The Pilate stone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it's kind of cool, like having this. Like it says that here that in 1961 they uncovered, they discovered like this fragment of this stone, which we were discussing, and it's it was uh, kind of in this ancient Roman city along the Medi- Mediterranean coast of Israel, and it mm-hmm. was written in Latin, and then embedded on it, it had this inscription that included the following saying, Pontius Pilate. Prefect of Judea has dedicated to the people of Caesarea a temple in honor of Tiberius, right? Yeah, and this was actually um, this plaque
0: uh, that was – it was written in Latin, which again matches up with the time period because that was the language of the Roman Empire. Yeah. And it, it was embedded. They found it embedded into a section of the steps leading up to the amphitheater. Right. So it's kind of like – you know yeah. how at uh you know this because you go to Disneyland all the time. <laughs> right. You know how in between Disneyland and California Adventure, they have all those bricks with people's names on it? Yeah, right. That's no. what this is like. It's yeah, so like, it's a tablet. They're it's like, a hey, tablet. They embedded it in the steps yeah. leading up to the amphitheater that was – you know, that that Pilot had constructed in honor of of Tiberius Caesar. Now think about that. This plaque mm-hmm. says who he is, Pontius Pilate, right? Right. Uh, Prefect of Judea, so his title, and then it also is in honor of the living Caesar Tiberius. That matches up perfectly with what Luke three says. Yeah, it, does. it was and in the year Tiberius, and when Pontius Pilate was prefect, that that all makes sense in this piece of archaeology.
1: Yeah, and I, I, if that doesn't prove that he was an actual historical figure, that's like, yeah. I mean, I mean, what else would you need? Because that's like that's like the equivalent of finding. Uh, um, like a name on the Hollywood w- Walk of Fame or whatever, and seeing like this engravement on there, where the people knew who this was, they dedicated this spot to that person, and it's like, wait a second, this person. Well, duh, you wouldn't question that they existed because that was a basically a monument. Yep, in a way, a, a dedication. It's to who literally they were being written in it. stone. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, right? yeah,
0: specifically limestone. It is written in yeah. stone.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so I, I mean, that's just such a cool archaeological finding to show once again that they're, the historical figures that are mentioned in the Bible are, well, they really are historical figures. And that's, yep. that's something that's really cool to think about. And so— It um, is. It's, it's
0: fascinating. Um. Yeah, that, and I know—okay, so we, we find mentions of Pontius Pilate in Tacitus and in Josephus, yeah, additionally right. to Scripture. But I know that prior to 1961, a lot of people were, were um, talking about how, you know, pa- Pontius Pilate being a prefect, that's not even like a, a role we find right, in the Roman Empire. we were talking about that. And he probably wasn't a real person. And then they find this limestone carving, you know, this, this plaque— <laughs> in Caesarea Maritime, uh, which again matches up exactly with what Josephus says, because it says he was in Caesarea when the people came yeah. to argue with him. Right? Um, Caesarea was a highly influenced Roman town. They built a port there that hadn't been before, and so actually this town blew up to be about one hundred twenty-five thousand people yeah. at the time. Wow. Herod's, te- Herod's um, uh, palace was there. I mean, this was a, this was a pretty amazing. Uh, amazing place. So, um, I think that, yeah, it's, it's fascinating to see now, man, everything the Bible says about Pilate, it matches up with Josephus's writings. It matches up with Tacitus's writings. It matches up with this stone we find
1: in the area this guy was yeah. supposed
0: to have been at for a while.
1: Yeah. That's just so huge. I mean, it is. I mean, yeah. Wow. Like, like just to have a, a physical plaque with his name engraved into it. Yep. That's awesome. And his title and, and his title. who
0: and who the Caesar was at the time. To
1: prove hey, you know what? That position did exist and not only that, it was given to the historical figure that's mentioned in the Bible. Like that just <laughs> Yep. And <laughs> fits you can actually together. if
0: you want to see the Pilate stone, it's located in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. Yeah, you can and go if, there and you can see this. And if you can't go eyes. to
1: Israel and see see that, we're well, we're also going to y- share a picture. You can go of to Instagram. So.
0: Yeah, you can always <laughs> yeah. go to Instagram. And that's free, so that's there a fast go. trip. But yeah, we we have a picture of it on our Instagram. Go check it out. Yeah. fascinating, fascinating piece of archaeology that once again confirms what the New Testament says. Yeah,
1: I mean, and that's so cool. Well, that's probably one of the things on my bucket list is to go to Israel and see yes. it, the museum and all those artifacts. Uh, can that, you imagine all the artifacts that are there? Yeah, I mean, isn't stuff. isn't the Great Isaiah Scroll kept there too, or like? I don't know where that displays is right now. Of it. I it thought it was, but yeah. okay, maybe you might you might be right. It might yeah. be there. Yeah. yeah, and then like all the other, not to mention just that, but I mean, this stone and then other mm-hmm. artifacts that they have there, mm-hmm. like it, it just be so fascinating to go there one day. It would
0: be. You know, um, last week, no, two weeks ago. Uh, Josh McDowell was in town and we had like a pastor's uh, luncheon with him and he was kind of showing some of his artifacts that he Yeah, I actually he has. I heard
1: him speak when he was in town. Oh, yeah, because he week. was at That's... your college. Yeah, he That's was. Right. So I went to a luncheon with
0: him and there was like, there's probably like 30, 35 pastors there uh, and he had all these artifacts with him. And one of the things he had was he had a Torah scroll uh, wow. uh, from, it was, uh, I think it was 600 years old. And I'm like, oh man, this thing is old. It was on animal skin, um, six hundred. Yeah, and it's six hundred years old, yeah. and it was beautiful, beautiful
1: Hebrew, like really good condition, too, very good condition, and, and it was
0: cool. the, it was beautiful piece of art, really. Um, yeah. Uh, and he was explaining some really cool stuff about it, but I'm looking at this thing. I mean, I, he he allowed us to touch the edges of it, so we could feel wow. what what the what the animal skin felt felt like, and um, I'm looking at this. I'm like, this thing is so old, right? Six hundred years ago, <laughs> yeah, but right. but. With the pilot thing, we're talking two thousand years. Yeah, and with the Isaiah Signet Bula, we're talking about twenty seven hundred years. Oh, I mean, goodness. fascinating stuff. Yeah, um, the Bible just confirms itself to be true over and over and over again. The more we find out, the more true the Bible seems to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, which
0: encourages me. And if we can trust it with people, right? And we can mm. trust it with events like the Exodus. We can trust it with things happening like Sodom and Gomorrah. We can trust it with seems like the empty tomb had to be from the Nazareth inscription we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, All of these right. things confirm it. And maybe it's telling the truth with some of the supernatural stuff. Maybe it's telling the truth with these things that are a little harder for us to believe because it seems to be telling the truth on everything else we can yeah, find. Yeah, that's
1: right. And that's the whole whole purpose of uh, this archaeological uh, findings that we're sharing on this uh, through this series. It's Like we said before, uh, of course, this doesn't uh, give undeniable... Factual proof that all of these events took place, but it, it's enough evidence to give it higher credibility for you mm-hmm. to trust that the events that happened in Scripture actually took place. And when and, you add them all together, yeah, that's the
0: key too. It's like exactly. we're not just we're not arguing the the validity of the Bible based on only one thing. There's thousands of pieces of yeah, they're just not being nitpicky.
1: It. It's like there's yeah. there's thousands of of different findings that we have, and so yep. And um, then archaeology yeah. is
0: just one of the arguments we have in our
1: apologetic defenses
0: because we also have philosophy, science, manuscript evidence. Yeah, not to mention church history. Church history, yeah, on and on and on. We have so much more than just archaeology. But within the subcategory of archaeology, we have subcategories and subcategories and and thousands of pieces (laughs) of evidence
1: that are undergirding the the fact that
0: archaeology backs up what Scripture says.
1: Yeah, that's great. And so, um, so again, uh, that's just the whole point of this. We just want to. Uh, we always say this. We want to equip Christians to be able to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. Yeah, that's the point of this podcast: to be able to be confident
0: and to yeah. be able to defend. Right. Yes. And and so I I mean and, and that confidence part is really important because our emotions can run away with us. Right. I don't um, know about you, but sometimes I feel sometimes I lay, lay up at night and I think. What if this whole God thing's a sham?
1: Yeah, and you can have
0: like a panic attack, right? And then I, you know what helps me is like, oh, no, man, I know too much. There's That's... too much evidence pointing yeah. to it's true. There's too much to say the Bible's valid. There's too much to say this guy rose from the dead. There is too much evidence for me to to throw it away. However, my emotions sometimes worry, right? Yeah,
1: I've heard I've heard several speakers say this before. Like uh, one person, an example I could think of who who I've heard say this in person at a talk he gave was uh, Jay Warner Wallace. He once mm-hmm. said, um, it's crazy because he's like, there's so much evidence that I've come to find that the Bible is true. But the problem is, I don't want it to be. He's like, some days. <laughs> yeah. He's like, day some days, so. days I'm just emotional and I just I don't want uh, to have to conform to anything and like like. I don't want to have to believe that this supernatural elements happen. But then when he's like, but then when I see the evidences that w- are presented before me mm-hmm. and uh, what scripture says lines up with reality, that, that compels me. No, what, what else is there? Yeah. That's the thing. And uh, same thing. Uh, like it just, it's crazy. So whenever you ha- go through these moments of doubt and, uh, um, <laughs> cause it, it happens. Like it we said, happen. like you lay there at night and, and, uh, start having these questions come up and, But then when you study these things and you know these things in your heart for yourself and you memorize and research and study and think and pray through these things, uh, they start to stick with you more and it helps Mm -hmm. encourage your faith. It helps you give
0: a depth, a a deep faith. It helps you to have a reasonable faith like William Lane Craig says, right? Right, It helps you have confident faith. And that's yeah. what we want people to have, a confident trust in Jesus. We're not trusting we're not trusting blindly. We're not, we're not believing in fairy tales. We're believing in something that's backed up by copious amounts of evidence, all different kinds of evidence points towards the truth of Christianity. So yes. that's what we're trying to do here. We hope that this is encouraging to you. Hope that this series is encouraging to you on yeah. archaeology. And uh, we'll be back next week for our
1: last uh, our last episode yeah, for the series on archaeology. Yeah. That's exciting. So, I'm excited. It's going to be good. Yep. All right. Well, thank you again for listening. Uh, we will see you guys next time.
0: You have been listening to Christ Culture and Coffee, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. For more information, visit our website at
1: dscchurch.com.